What is going on, Hawks Nation? Welcome back to another edition of the HFTV podcast brought to you by Alex and Mac. Uh, hopefully you guys are having a, a good week so far, man. Um, you know, at this point, Mac, it is what it is, right? We are pretty much average as can be, mid as fuck, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, after last night's defeat against the Pelicans, we are now one game officially under 500 again. But it is what it is, right? Um yeah, I mean, at this point, I think we know we're just pretty average at this point. What do you say? Yeah, no, man, I uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I, you know, say send the same wishes. Hope you guys are having a good week and hoping that you guys have kind of let go of these high expectations that we have for the Hawks right now. Because, guys, I just I don't I don't know if we should have them anymore. And that's OK. You know, um, it's I mentioned on last week's episode. It, it's fun to live and die with each loss, like even the Hawks admin you know, rec- recognizes it on Twitter. Like, you know, sure, it's it's fun. But, you know, at this point, that's kind of why I got a smile on my face. It's like, look, man, what else are we supposed to do? You know what I mean? So it is what it is, man. Um, I, you know, I know nothing's going to happen this season. But I do think we still, I mentioned this on last week's episode, we still have plenty of pieces. You know, like, I, I, I know this isn't how this works. But, God, could you imagine if that 2014 coaching staff had this team to coach, right? I mean, that's that's got championship written all over it. So, um, you know, we, we still got incredibly talented dudes. Look, Alex, the guys in your background, DeJounte and Trey, we still got two studs, you know what I mean? So nothing to really be that upset about. There are many teams that are in much worse positions than we are. Um, you know, I and, – and, hey, I'll even say it. You know, I know Kyrie Irving is great and the Mavs fans are excited, but let's just see how that plays out, man. You know, Kyrie – Ever since he's left, ever since he's left Cleveland, hasn't you know? I, I'm not knocking Kyrie's character at all. That's a completely different conversation. I'm talking about purely as a as a player personnel standpoint. Um, he doesn't seem to you know thrive in these in these environments that he's been going into. So we'll see what happens. Really, all I'm, I'm bringing that up because you know at the end of the day, if you're going to say, hey, would you rather have Luca and Trey? I mean, Luca and Kyrie or Jante and Trey. Obviously, on paper, Luca and Kyrie are going to be the better pair, but Honestly, man, I, I'm cool with R2. You know what I mean? And and really only bringing that up to just kind of emphasize that, you know, have it be. I, I have kind of let go of the expectations and I'm just going to enjoy the season and, and whatnot. Um, I still recognize that this is a very talented basketball team that can definitely, um, you know, shit, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to say, oh, we could make some more than the playoffs, but that's, nah, that's not going to happen. But that's okay. It could happen next year and we'll see. This is a big off season for the Hawks. Uh, big, big off season for us. So, uh, what's what's your kind of consensus on on everything that's been <laughs> going on here? Yeah, man. Um, it's like you said. You know, it's. I think in years past, myself and I'm sure many Hawks fans, unless you're you know a bit of the younger generation or you recently became a Hawks fan, you know, in the last three or four years or so. Look, Mac and I have been watching Hawks games since damn near the '90s, right? I mean. Uh, we have two plus decades, almost three decades worth of basketball, Hawks basketball we've had to endure. And uh, we're used to it at this point. Uh, obviously, we had some really high expectations uh, going into this new season. And <laughs> things just <coughs> haven't panned out. Excuse me. And I was naive to think, I was naive enough to think that we could have done something this year. I really did. But when I look back at it, knowing who our coach was and Seeing the fact that Nate McMillan was still running the show, it was 
foolish of me to think that this team would have been a top three or four seed given how talented the East is this year. So that's on me. Like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And Nate McMillan, you have fooled me time and time again. Not just with the Hawks, but, you know, even dating back to his, you know, Portland Trailblazers days, the Indiana Pacers days, and and now with the Hawks. Last year, we saw how bad his coaching was firsthand, given a full season. And now this year is is no different, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, it was very dumb of me. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I thought, you know, with Trey and DeJounte and you know, with the uh, progression of some of our other guys like Onyeka and DeAndre and a couple of those guys, like I thought we were going to take a leap. But, you know, it doesn't matter at the end of the day because I've said this uh, on Twitter and I've said this in my whole entire life. There's no professional sport where a head coach matters most than the NBA, right? Like with the NFL and the MLB uh, and the NHL, like ultimately, like if you just have some good players, you're going to win a lot of games regardless of how dumb, you know, your, your game planning and preparation is. But with the NBA, given the fact that there's only five players on the court and strategy and timeout management and the rotations and game planning is so critical in those situations, you just can't win a lot of games when you have a boneheaded, moronic coach. And that that's putting it lightly. And, you know, I think we have every right to be angry. And you saw last night was another prime example against the Pelicans where, um, you know, Bo, uh, not, excuse me, not, not against the Pelicans, but the game before that where Bogey was just playing horribly all game. Same with JC, same with Clint Capella. Uh, what game was that, Mac? I, I can't. It was the one right before the Pelicans. Oh, uh, the Nuggets game. Yeah, the Nuggets game, right? It was the Nuggets game where Flint Capella, John Collins, Bogdan Bogdanovich, they were just putting up duds all night. Granted, we didn't have Trey, so we needed to lean on some other guys. But those guys were having really rough nights, especially Bogey and John Collins. And for whatever reason, we make a big comeback in the second half. And our bench mob is doing great things for us. It actually, we chop it down to a single single point deficit. And then next thing you know, he decides to close out the fourth quarter with the same starting five that put us in that hole. And it's like, well, shit. Like, and he does this thing with Bogey where he overplays Bogey like way, way too much, especially in a lot of these situations where he, he's having an off shooting night. And we it seems like he's having a lot more of those than the good ones like granted last night against the Pelicans he made a, a lot of big shots and he was you know being productive but in previous stints the dude was playing horribly and AJ Griffin conversely was playing great and for whatever reason Nate McMillan is just so stubborn and wants to go with the vets and wants to go with bogey and he doesn't trust our 19 year old rookie who's been playing great all season long who has one of the best you know field goal percentages and three-point percentages in the entire league, let alone this team. And still he goes back to his old tendencies. And again, that's just one minor example of just like the, the um, low IQ coaching that Nate McMillan displays night in and night out. So again, it was foolish of me and you to think, I remember going back doing these, you know, the first couple episodes were like, Oh, this team's going to make moves. We're going to be great. Ultimately, the answer was right in front of us all along, Mac. Nate, Nathaniel McMillan. Oh, yeah. And, Nate Mac, you know, man. And, you know, the yeah. Nate's little Twitter army that, you know, I, I know he hasn't you know, asked them to do this, but it feels like every time, you know, I'm not going to name names by any means, but there's certain accounts that, you know, will 
just always defend Nate. And at this point, I'm like, what are you defending, man? I'm like, we're at 500. We'll, one, one day we'll be a game above 500. The next day we're a game below 500. It's like, what, what are you necessarily defending at this point? Because I just think this, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I, it feels like a loser's mentality, man. Like, it's like, don't you want to win? Don't you want to actually like win a championship? John Collins sits there and talks about a parade down Peachtree. Like, isn't that something you actually want to happen? So um, I, I understand some fans getting tired of like, you know, people only pointing the, the finger at Nate, but everything you just said as is why the finger is so much pointed at Nate is because it matters so much being a head coach in the NBA. We have such an incredibly talented team and he just like, there's, there's one thing that I remember I saw recently about Nate that like um, Nate is really good about guy letting guys like play through it. Right. Meaning that if somebody is playing bad and it's kind of like what you're saying with bogey. And, and again, my argument is what has that gotten us? You know what I mean? Like we're not, we're not 12 games over 500 right now. Like what has that gotten us, man? So at this point, I just, I think there is a high level of stubbornness from the coaching staff, obviously most notably Nate. And it is what it is. Like, I, I, I think at this point, what's starting to kind of uh, piss me off, unfortunately with Nate is that, you know, we are winning games, right? Like we're, we're 500, you know, obviously to be 500, you have to win half of your games. We're not winning those games because this dude is just drawing up some of the greatest schemes that the, the game has ever seen. No, it's because of how talented our players are. And and because we do have dudes like DeJounte Murray and Trey Young and an AJ Griffin and, you know, a, a John Collins when he feels like going off, um, you know, it just, it, so that's what I'm saying. Like I, I'm making the argument of like our wins aren't because of Nate guys. They're not. Our wins are because we have an, a, a very, very talented basketball team with a guy who at the end of the day, when he's playing at the top of his game is a superstar in the league. Like what Trey Young has done when he's playing his best, it, it, it can't go unnoticed. If, if we're going to give all those flowers to, to uh shy Gilgis Alexander, we, we got to give them to, to Trey Young too. Cause you know, I got to agree. Um, Trey Young even commented on it on Twitter this week where uh, during the Nuggets game, Jokic passed Trey for the most total assists on the season. You see ESPN post about it, the NBA Twitter account posts about it, all these, all these, you know, media people posting about it. No mention of it when Trey held it the entire season, though, right? And I think it's becoming very obvious with that and the, you know, Trey being voted 12th by, you know, uh, his 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 peers, his fellow players, as the twelfth best point guard in, in the East. Like what are like what are you guys smoking? <laughs> like seriously, man. And all I'm saying is like the the feelings, like the the people being in their feelings about Trey Young. It's gotten too far, man. <laughs> like I know I know that's kind of a side point. You know that's not exactly what I was originally talking about. But man, it's it's gotten it's gotten insane. And really to to kind of wrap all that up, it's because. Trey, I get he's polarizing because he can, you know, talk a little bit of smack and, you know, um, isn't what people would think a professional athlete would look like. I know, you know, that's always been a problem with these smaller dudes in the league. You know, Rashad Phillips has talked about that on Twitter for years now, about how these smaller guys just don't get the respect they deserve. And we're seeing it with Trey Young yet again. But I I, I think what, like I said, what, what is really just – kind of pissed me off about everything here recently is that to to kind of comment on that, we're winning these games not because of Nate. We're winning them because 
Trey Young is a superstar because DeJounte Murray is a is a borderline superstar. And, you know, it's it is what it is, man. Uh, <laughs> Nate, if you ever hear this, man, we're not winning because of you, bud. <laughs> yeah, like I, I wouldn't go that far. Like obviously, like we can't put all the blame on Nate, and then when we do when we can't give him absolutely zero credit, right? So like I, I see like not every loss is on Nate, not every win is you know, because of the players, like, you know, it goes a little both ways. Cause at the end of the day, like, yeah, he can't stop, you know, Trey young and some of these other players, John Collins committing dumb turnovers and DeJounte Murray turning, turning the ball over. Like at the end of the day, like, you know, the players do have to perform. So I get that aspect, but yeah, I think for the, for the most part, um, you know, we are where we're at because of the talent of like our first, like six, seven man rotation. Right. Um, but again, like Nate, but yeah, so I don't want to be, you know, foolish to say all of that, but I do agree with you in the sense that, you know, most of it is not because of Nate. And yeah, uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're, we're going to make any moves <laughs> uh, in terms of firing Nate McMillan. I think if we would have done it, it probably would have happened by now. There's maybe like a small sliver of hope that maybe the ownership decides to to fire him, you know, right before all after all-star break. But again, if I was, you know, most of you Hawks fans, I probably wouldn't hold my breath for that until the off season. Speaking of making moves, Mac, um, the trade deadline is officially what less than 24 hours away as we're recording yeah. 630 on a Wednesday trade deadlines at 3 PM Eastern standard time, I believe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, there's obviously the, tr- the the trade rumors have been pretty pretty low key for the most part, and I think it's be- it goes back all the way to the off season, right? That's where it's the KD dilemma. Like teams are waiting to see what the Nets do with Kevin Durant, and that's kind of putting a freeze on everything. And as of right now, unless Shams and Woj start busting news, you know, starting tomorrow morning, it seems like it's going to be a relatively low key, you know, trade deadline for us, especially with the Hawks. Um, I just don't see any players that we can move that's going to make us, you know, put us above that tier. And front office has made it very clear, like they're not going to make any trades in, unless they see a significant leap kind of in what we bring back to really push us to that next tier. And realistically, there's really no one that we can go get to push us in that next tier. I would love for both holidays to get up out of here. I would love for Nate McMillan to, to be gone as soon as possible. But, you know, we don't always get what we wish for, Mac. That's just life, unfortunately. But, you know, if you could make a move, um, I'm, I'm curious, just from your perspective, who would you want to get this this deadline? Um, You know, I I don't know, man, because I'm, I'm right there with you where, you know, it's the trade rumors for our team has kind of died down as we've gotten closer to the deadline and, um, like you tweeted the other day from the account, like probably a 90% chance that Bogey and JC are both still in Hawks uniforms. And I completely agree. Um, and you know, at this point, I think if I had to trade one player um, away from the Hawks and I, I guess, you know, as I, as I'm literally thinking and processing this, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know who we would necessarily get in return. Um, but yeah, if, if I have a gun held to my head and we're, we're having to trade one Hawk player at this point, as much as it pains me to to say this, because I even have his jersey. Um, love the guy. Uh, he's a he's a he's a big hit in this household uh, of mine. But uh, I'd probably trade Bogey, man. Um, I think uh, he's warranted enough respect around the league that you could get more 
in return than just nothing. You know what I mean? Like you could at least get a decent player in return for him or maybe some sort of package or a three team deal or something like that. Um, and, you know, he just, I, I don't know if him having a little bit of a slump right now is something that it's truly just bad. It's like, yeah, dude, it's just going through a little bit of a slump. Every player goes through it. Um, but I, I can't lie. There are many games that I watch where uh, when Bogey's on the floor, I find myself saying, Bogey, what the hell are you doing, man? Like uh, last night against the Pelicans at a very crucial moment in the second quarter, uh, Bogey has a wide open layup underneath the rim, which I mean, because he's underneath the basket and he's got to do like a little bit of reverse, it's not the easiest layup ever, sure. But it's a layup that any NBA player should make 10 times out of 10. They should. And he had no defense on him. He was under the goal by himself and he missed it. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, man, like there's got to be something like mental block right now going on for him or, or something. And you know, um, if that is the case, obviously I hope everything's okay with him. Um, with all this being said, if the guy ends up staying a hawk, I'll be perfectly fine with that. Like I, I, I love the guy, but um, at this point, I, I think you would probably make the most sense out of somebody leaving the team. Like you know, we could maybe get more for a player like DeAndre Hunter, but DeAndre has that uh, nuance with his contract, where sure he's still on his rookie deal, but. He's going to need a new contract as soon as he gets traded to a new team. And um, I think it like based off like his production or whatever, like there's some, there's some increase of his contract that the team would have to give him. Um, and so because of that, most other teams probably are just going to be like, nah, we're good. We don't necessarily need that. Uh, so yeah, man, gun to my head, probably getting rid of bogey, but I, I'm doing it with some tears scrolling <laughs> down my throwing down my cheek as I do it. So, um, you know, same, same uh, uh, hypothetical situation. You got this gun to your head, Alex. Who, who, who are you getting rid of on the Hawks? Uh, I mean, bo- bo- bogey's a good answer, Mac. It is a great answer, uh, especially he – I'm pretty sure he's a free agent after this year, right? Because we got him on a three-year deal initially. This would be his third year as a Hawk. So, you know, it's, it's an expiring contract. So – that's probably the most logical best answer. Um, and, and certainly, you know, a contending team could use a, a, you know, for the most part, a pretty steady knockdown three-point shooter, right? Th- those are pretty valued across the league. Uh, and unfortunately, we're just not in a position to really leverage him. Like if we were a top three, four seed right now, and we actually had championship aspirations. Great. He makes a great weapon off the bench, but we're, we're asked right now. So maybe we could get a bigger return for sure. We, he would probably give us, uh, a pretty decent return. Uh, I'm not ready to give up on DeAndre Hunter or anyone like that, but if I can't say Bogey because you already chose him, and it pains me to say this too, Mac, it pains me to say this dearly because I think from a personality standpoint, just the man that he is, he's one of the best guys on the team in that regards, but from a on-court production standpoint, I mean, it's got to be John Collins, right? Like John Collins and don't get me wrong, he's improved tremendously on the defensive end, and his weak side rim protection definitely helps us out a ton, uh, given the fact that when Capella's off the floor, we don't really have any legitimate rim protectors, and JC's kind of fit that second man up um, role for him. But just, yeah, I mean, it's 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 been really tough watching him this season, man, and he's his three-point percentage has greatly decreased. Um across the board his shoot is his entire shooting efficiency has just dramatically decreased since the start of the season and you sure you could blame it on the finger this and that 
can he still go possibly go back to that kind of 20 and 10 year that he had uh, in year two, possibly, especially if he's on a, a worse team and he's kind of a, a primary scoring option. But for the where this team is at right now, <clears throat> I just think we need a little bit more. He still hasn't improved his dribbling, his, his ball handling um, at all since then. And really, if he's not five feet within the basket or he's catching a lob, He's not really a scoring threat. In years past, we could kind of say like, oh, well, he's a great rim uh, finisher around the rim, but he can also space the floor out and, and be a consistent three-point shooter. But he's not even doing that this year. So right now it's tough getting him buckets, right? Because you can't really give him the ball and expect him to score um, as a, you know, one of the highest paid players on the team. And you saw it against the, the Nuggets, unfortunately, when Trey wasn't out. Uh, where we really needed some other guys to step up. JC had six points, you know, three, two of five or three of five from the field. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, well, JC just needs more touches. He needs more touches. He's barely shooting the ball. And it's like, do you guys not watch the games? <laughs> like he, he touches the ball almost every possession down the court, but he's either far out too far out on the perimeter where he doesn't want to dribble it or attack the basket. So he has to pass it right back out or he, you know, gets the ball kind of in that kind of 15, 10 to 15 foot range. And he tries to make one move and then he just ultimately doesn't get the shot he wants. So he kicks it back out. So it's just, he's, he's getting touches. It's just the matter of what is he going to do once he touches the ball? And I think a lot of people either don't watch the games and they only look at the box scores and they see, oh, well, he only had five shots tonight. He only had seven attempts tonight, yada, yada, yada. But when you really watch the game, and you see how many times he actually touches the ball, he's just not capitalizing on his opportunities. So if you're not shooting the ball, obviously the number on the box score isn't going to reflect a high number. And it's just, it's it's sad to see because he is a great finisher. And when he does get super low deep in the post, he he's a good high percentage uh, scorer around that kind of five foot uh, feet area. But it's so hard for him to get in those positions that it's just it's it's yeah he's not giving us a whole lot so yeah that with that being said man again I hate to say it because I like him it's got to be JC for me right I mean no I, I think you made two great points about John um one is you know you kind of kind of were getting at it dude has had you know, I, I think John kind of represents what the Hawks have been this year and his play on the court and what I mean by that is. John's had brilliant stretches this year where, you know, four or five, six game stretch, the dude is, like I said, basically averaging 20 and 10 and is playing brilliant, man. And then he'll have other stretches where he puts up four points, seven points, 10 points. And it's just like, you know, we obviously need him to be a little more productive on the court than he is if he's going to be one of the higher paid players on the team. You know, that's just how it works. Um and I think the second point you made that that is that is very true is you know I saw the same tweets the other uh, the other night about John just not getting the touches right like he just needs more touches and I think that right there like you said tells it all all, all right there that they just looked at the box score that anyone wants the game because I couldn't agree with you more as you were literally you said it before I was thinking it, and then you said it like I was like John touches the ball like almost every possession I was like you know he may not hold the ball for very long each possession but. He touches the ball almost every possession. And if you watch any Hawks game when he's on the court, you see that. And I think in the past, I don't know if, you know, I, I think a, a third point, I guess you brought it that's good, is maybe maybe that finger. It truly has kind of 
knock his confidence down just a little bit, you know, and he doesn't feel as confident about it or, you know, and you know what, I think to be completely honest for what John Collins seems like he stands for as a person, um, you know, and he's even kind of come out and said it here publicly recently. I think all the trade rumors have really gotten to him, man. I, I, I think he, for every single year, well, not every single year, but every single year for the last few years, it seems like dude is just in a trade rumor every other week. And I mean, I, I just was talking to my girlfriend about that. You know, can you imagine Alex, you know, me and you, uh, I, I live in Jacksonville currently, right? My boss is telling me, Hey man, we might move you to a team, uh, to a company on the West coast. You might have to move your entire family, you know, move, change cultures, uh, move to a different side of the country. And that's something that John is having to go through every time these trade rumors come up. So I wouldn't be surprised at this point, man, if like, yeah, his, his, his heart is a little, little, not, not as much in it as it used to be because he just is tired of being a part of every single trade rumor. And at the end of the day, um, I understand that some of them hold absolutely no merit and it may just be a bleacher report here and there just trying to get some clicks. But the, the reality is a lot of them, you know, they do have merit and it is something the Hawks have been shopping and, you know, questioning and, and things of that nature. So, um, I, you know, so I not to defend John by any means. Well, I guess I'm defending him a little, but, you know, just saying I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that didn't have anything to do with it. You know, we we got to remember these guys are human beings at the end of the day. And um, if my company told me time and time again, hey, we might end up trading you, but don't worry, we love you, buddy. Um, I think it would probably, you know, mess with my head a little bit too. So, oh, no, for sure. I mean, and, and that's, and honestly, like, it, it does stink. And like, from a human perspective, like human element, I, I totally get that. And you you bring up a good point. And so I, I don't think it's fair to John either. Like, you, you right. know, obviously he's a professional athlete, so it's part of the business, but, you know, he's made it very adamant and clear. Like he loves Atlanta. He loves the team, loves the city. Um, and he wants to be with this team long term. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're just human beings. And if constantly for the past two, three years in a row, your name is being floated around for all these trade rumors. I mean, like how much how much can you really do? Like right. ultimately, it's going to affect you one way or the other. Um, so it does stink from that aspect and it's not fair to him. So I think for both parties, because I also do love JC, like it could be a good, you know, fresh starting point. Just get it over right. with. Right. You know, see him start fresh with the new team. Like he's still relatively young. I think he's like 25. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he's just about to enter his prime. So it could be good. It's going to hurt me. Like it, it would be absolutely disgusting if he went to a, a separate team and he was averaging like 25 and like 12. Because it's possible he he certainly could. But, um, you know, he, he deserves, you know, uh, a, an organization that, you know, isn't going to float him out in trade rumors night in night out but on the flip side like it's it should also speak volumes because obviously yes the hawks are taking calls on him yes he is possibly available but the fact that we haven't traded him after all true, of this true, true. You know, over the years like it it's pretty clear like they still value him and they, right, they're not right. gonna get rid of him just to get rid of him because they still know he's a valuable asset and they still think he's a good player so i think maybe hopefully that you know um shows yeah, something well- and, you know, what I read today is kind of exactly what you were just saying. The, the I don't know what team it was, but we ended up basically stopping negotiation with them with contract. I mean, trading John because the return just wasn't large enough. So with that being said, you know, obviously when you view a player as like, dude, if you're not giving us an all-star player in return, we're not giving this guy up. 
you know, I, I agree with what you're saying. You're, it clearly means that you, you know, regard the guy pretty highly. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, to kind of wrap that up, I think you kind of put it best where it, it truly is just the nature of it being a business at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's not the first time it's happened where a guy who is beloved by his city and, and teammates has had to leave because of a business move. Um, and, you know, hopefully it won't happen with John, but at the end of the day, if it does, I think, uh, like you said, and myself included, and I think most Hawks fans would honestly probably be pretty happy for the guy, uh, especially if he ended up going to like, you know, a Boston Celtics or something like that, right. Where he's immediately going to be on a team where he could be contending for a championship right away or, or whatever it may be. So, um, so yeah, man, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up on that. Um, go to the Celtics or anything like that. That's for sure. No, I mean, hey, I, I, I'm just yeah. saying for John's sake, I don't want the Celtics win another championship either. I just meant, you know, if he goes somewhere like that, is at least going in good hands. You know, <laughs> like God forbid he ends up, you know, uh, I won't, I won't name any teams, but you know, there's. But yeah, on that note, there's, there's a couple in our division that, uh, God, if he went to, not only just because it'd be a division rival, I'd be like, I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry. You got to live there now. Um, <laughs> anyways, besides the point. Uh, but yeah, it's hopefully not the Celtics. Um, but yeah, man, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode for this week on that. Um, before we do, as always, want to thank you guys for listening and and uh, supporting Hawks Fan TV. Some of our articles. Um, you know, we're going to continue bringing you guys that content, and uh, you know, we're uh, we're we're hopefully going to help you guys you know, feel a little bit better about this Hawks team because, you know, there's <laughs> not much we can feel good about, but what we can feel good about is that, uh, you know, I think we are turning into a fan base that, you know, like, I'm not kidding. I know Twitter wasn't around when we were younger, but I, even if it was, man, we wouldn't have seen as many Hawks fans and Hawks accounts and all of this stuff. I'm saying I think the future is bright of, of this fan base. I think we're – it's growing – and it's growing uh, at, a, at, a, at a pretty high rate, higher than it probably ever has. So, um, so yeah, with all that being said, we appreciate all the support. Uh, be looking out for more stuff, guys. And um, just keep keep your chin, chin up, soldier, because that's, that's all we can do at this point. <laughs> Better times are ahead, that's for sure. Um, looking forward to it. As Max said, thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HawksFanTV. Check out our website at HawksFanTV.com. Uh, and yeah, our, our, we just recently posted a, a trade deadline scenario of potential targets. So if you guys want to check that out, make sure you check out the site and be on the lookout for our new merchandise HFTV hoodies coming in the next couple of weeks. So appreciate you guys listening. Thank you guys and go Hawks. Sir, go Hawks. <laughs>